Why is it so damn hard for a founder to find a CMO? Well, you're not alone. And the problem is, it's not so much finding the good CMO, it's finding the CMO that's right for you. So sit back, take a listen, as we talk CMOs, founders, from one of the best in the biz, today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have John Miller on today. John, um, John founded this little company called Marketo. You might have heard of it. He's now at this other little company called Engageo. Uh, years ago, he was at another company called Epiphany. Now we're going old school. John's been around the block a few times. He knows his marketing stuff. And John is going to talk to us today about the role of marketing, about finding a CMO, and really more than anything about finding the right CMO for you. It's not always the best brand name. It's not about the person that's done it before at other companies. It's finding the one that's right for you. And what determines that? Well, frankly, it's a little bit of know thyself. So sit back, take a listen as John walks us through the role of marketing at a startup today on the podcast. Welcome, John. And I'm, I'm excited to talk to, with you today about the role of marketing in startups. Yeah, thank you for that uh, introduction. Um, I'd love to start by just asking you to share a little bit more about your background. Yeah, well, so I come to marketing by way of an undergraduate degree in physics. And so I... How, mo- how most marketers start, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of ended up, uh, you know, doing, you know, uh, kind of coming of age as a marketer, if you will, as marketing itself is becoming more more quantitative and more analytical. And so, you know, I have never really looked back on physics. I do think that that background ended up being a good good training for kind of, as you just called it, modern digital marketing. Um, I've been in uh, marketing technology for most of my career. I started at, um, working with a firm called Exchange, which was probably the leading marketing platform of the mid-90s. Uh, after that, um, in business school, I ended up at Epiphany, which was probably the leading marketing technology of the internet bubble. And we sold Epiphany in 2005, and then that's when Phil Fernandez and I started Marketo, which was, you know, arguably the leading marketing technology the last 10 years. So, you know, I sort of like to, you know, look at my journey as, you know, subsequent waves of, you know, the next marketing platform and the next marketing platform getting ever closer towards, you know, the vision of the one-to-one future. And to be honest, that's kind of what we're doing with Engageo now, trying to build the next great marketing platform. So as a founder who's been focusing on, you know, a founder, a marketer, um, an entrepreneur who's been focusing on marketing sort of as it's been changing and sort of being part of that change, I'm curious to get your take on sort of what is marketing um, and maybe even sort of how it's changed. Uh, in the time that you've been doing it? What is marketing? Um, I remember a conversation with my uh, son when he was six years old to try to you know, answer that exact same question. You know, <laughs> what, what is marketing? Um, what I sort of came up with at the time, I still think it's true, is that marketing is trying to create awareness and preference at every stage of the buyer's journey. Whether that's, you know, before they've even ever heard of you, you know, or whether they're in a purchase process or they're very late in the process or they're a customer. 
how can you make sure that they know what you do and that they like what you and, and that they prefer you? They like, you know, they know you and, and they like you, if you will. A little bit of a simplistic definition, but I think it works pretty well for marketing. You know, how, how has it changed? You know, I think that the, the tactics, well, first of all, but broadly speaking, the tactics have changed um, as there is more data, uh, more analytical capability, and more ways to reach customers and prospects in an individual way. And that's sort of the one-to-one future I alluded to earlier. Um, but the fundamental strategy of creating awareness and preference, I don't think that's changed. It's just the tactics and channels that we have available to us. I'd love to dive in sort of with that at sort of different stages of a startup, and maybe we'll kind of start later on and we'll we'll move backwards. Um, so, you know, if uh, marketing's about awareness and preference for buyers, what's the role of a CMO in a startup? Well, I think, you know, you see different flavors of marketing executives. Um, you know, at the highest level, you know, I, there's generally three main uh, focuses of strengths. You know, one is traditionally the sort of demand generation or revenue marketing side of things, you know, and that's, you know, the strength around creating uh, leads and pipeline and so on. The second is around product. Um, and that's your more, maybe your more classic four P's style of marketing. But, you know, what is the product? Uh, how are we positioning it? How are we pricing it? Uh, and so on. Um, and then the third is your sort of brand and corporate marketing. Um, and that's both more the creative side, the PR side, and the communication side. Um you know, as well as, you know, some of those softer aspects of, of you know, uh, the emotional side of marketing, if you will. Do you have those three main foci of, of strength? And again, it's demand, product, and, and corporate marketing. I think one thing that's really important to, you know, is that, you know, I don't believe you're ever going to find the unicorn CMO who is really strong at all three of those. Um, it's really, I think, critical to, you know, sort of identify what is the area that's sort of most important to you and make sure you hire somebody who's great in that area. And then, no, they're not going to be as great necessarily in the other two. Um, but that, that, you know, and then in that case, you know, as, a, as, a, as you think about building a team over time, you'll need to complement your marketing executive with people who are strong in the other areas. The reason why this is important for a startup is because, you know, when you're small, you're not going to have that ability to really complement those other areas with hiring out a big marketing team. And that makes it even more important to really pick the, the CMO that's right for you. Happy to dig more into that, but that's sort of a high-level answer. So, so that makes perfect sense. So I'm curious then for you at Engageo, when did you hire your first CMO or your CMO and how did you think about sort of what you needed and when to hire that person? Yeah, well, you know, I think for Engageo, we're a little bit of a uh, unique beast for two reasons. You know, the first is because I myself come from a marketing background. 
And that meant that I would be able to go longer without hiring a marketing executive than perhaps some other companies might be able to. Um, the flip side, though, is because we sell to marketing, you know, that my CMO uh, has a, a job that is also being the evangelist and the spokesperson, um, that a CMO at a company that didn't sell to marketers wouldn't have. You know, and so that sort of, you know, those two factors, you know, I don't know if they exactly canceled each other out, you know, if you will, but they, 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 it, it sort of changed when we would hire a CMO versus anybody else. But I'll tell you the honest answer of how I decided when to hire my CMO, and that's when she was available. Uh, I knew who I wanted to, I knew who I wanted to hire, um, a woman named Heidi Bullock, who had been the, uh, the GBP of global demand generation for Marketo. And, you know, like, even when I started the company, I was like, you're going to be my CMO someday. So when she became available, that's when it was time to do it. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I've certainly heard the school of thought of hiring um, certain roles like CMOs, certainly your leadership is getting the best people sort of when you can get them. Um, and this seems yeah, to fall I mean, kind I of think, into that. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I sort of give sort of more generic advice, you know, I think what most startups are going to find is that um, the, the most startups are going to struggle to hire a CMO who's done it before, um, unless you have something kind of unique going on in your business. You know, and and the reason why is because you know most VP of marketing or CMOs, you know, uh, as they move up through the career they don't necessarily want to go back to the small company where they got to like be checking, proofreading every email themselves, you know, and, and writing the blog post themselves, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I've talked to plenty of, you know, you know, kind of people who've done been VP of marketing at a couple of different startups and, and, you know, they're not necessarily excited to kind of quote unquote do it again. In many cases, I think if you're a, a early stage startup, you know, your best bet may very well be to go hire a director level person, you know, maybe just a director of demand generation if, if generating pipeline is the biggest thing for you, you know, that you need to focus. Um, and then give that person a lot of, you know, runway to run. You know, for all you know, maybe they'll, they'll really surprise you and be able to do more than you expect. But if not, at a minimum, you're buying yourself time to get your business to be bigger and more substantial before you go out to look for that marketing leader. Yeah. So, so talk to me about marketing in the early days, you know, pre-CMO, um, and maybe engage you as a little bit different because you've held the CMO role before. So you're, you know, founder and CMO and probably yeah. driving product and a million other things. Um, so, um, but, so maybe it's here, maybe it's uh, when you started running marketing at, um, uh, at Marketo. Um, but sort of talk to me about sort of the role of marketing in those early, early days and sort of who did it and what it, what it entailed. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that a lot of people don't really think enough, don't talk about enough when it comes to marketing is the role of product and product market fit in terms of getting, you know, supporting the marketing, you know, the thing like at Marketo, we had great product market fit. Um, and you know what, that made all my marketing look a lot better. 
<laughs> you know, I could, you know, and, and it, it's all sorts of reasons, you know, people, you just, you know, it, there's just more when there's more of a, you know, a need for the thing you have to sell, then, you know, your demand generation gets better response rates. And when your customers really like the product, you know, then all of a sudden you're going to find that your win rates go up. Um, and so, so, you know, if you're a marketer, um, well, here's what I'll say. If you're a marketer looking for a job at a startup, one of the things you really want to be checking for is where's the product market fit. Um, if you're a startup looking to hire a marketer, you know, I think, you know, it's definitely important to be thinking about where are you on your product market fit journey. And, you know, it, you may very well may not want to hire somebody in marketing until you are more confident that you have really kind of started to, you know, narrow in on, on, on that product market fit. Now, if you are a marketer and you find yourself at a startup that doesn't have great product market fit, there's probably nothing more important that you can do to focus on than getting to that product market fit. So that's sort of wave one. Once you have the product market fit, for whatever sort of reasons, typically then wave two is going to be starting to kind of scale the revenue team. You know, and that brings you more to that more product, uh, sorry, demand gen focused, you know, head of marketing. Um, now, personally, there's, for startups, there's two main tactics that I have always found, well, in my two main experiences, have found work for me to really jumpstart um, demand generation for, for a startup. Uh, and that's content and partner marketing. So, you know, we, you know what, I've, what I've done multiple times is, you know, try to write the uh, quote-unquote definitive book on the topic around our space. And to use that sort of definitive thought leadership to help create um, our brand, to create our awareness, to create leads. Um, and, you know, I think there's so much content out there today that it's important for people to really make the super high quality stuff that stands out. So that's what I mean by like that big, meaty, definitive book. At Engageo, I wrote the clear and complete guide to account-based marketing uh, and started working on that, you know, before we even had a product um, because I really wanted to establish that thought leadership position for our company. That's the content side. And then the other thing that, that I'm a big fan of for driving demand is the partner marketing. And effectively, how can you work with other companies that sell to a similar audience but don't compete with you to kind of cross-pollinate your list and kind of uh, ride on each other's awareness to build, you know, to build it mutually? You know, and so in the early days of Engageo, I ran a lot of webinars. You know, where we'd find a partner and we'd both promote the webinar and then we would just share the registrants with each other. You know, and that was a really good way at very, very low cost to start to build out our database and our contacts. Um, that, and and where, they, where these two strategies come together, the content and the partner marketing is, you know, for example, around the webinars, obviously what we talked about was the thought leadership from the book. So it kind of hit a couple different pieces there. You know, the, number one, the importance of product market fit. Uh, and then once you have that, then number two, starting to scale out demand gen, primarily with content and partners. Yes, and all of that makes sense. I'm going to dig into the first one a little bit. Um, you're, so 
for wave one, you say, if you don't have product market fit, help with product market fit. I'm curious about your take on sort of the role of marketing in getting to product market fit. Depends so much on the person and the company. You know, again, if you go back to, you know, the four P's of marketing, you know, product is one of them, you know, and, um, you know, very, very, very often marketing is the department that is responsible for going out and talking to customers, understanding their needs, defining personas, uh, and, um, you know, there's no reason why marketing at a startup should necessarily be any different. You know, you don't find it that often because, you know, oftentimes the founder or the head of product is off doing those things. Um, but, you know, again, classically speaking, you know, marketing can and should be responsible for some of those things. When do things like positioning and messaging and stuff come in? You know, when do you begin um, to yeah, I mean, it, it, I wish the world were black and white, right? Where, you know, you have a, you know, you're in a cave until you build product market fit, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden you emerge and you just scale because that would make my theory really simple, right? You just don't do any marketing at all. <laughs> until you have product market fit and then you kind of go to town. The reality is it's not that clean and you are going to be trying to, you know, sell the product at least uh, generally, you know, as you're on that search for product market fit. And, and so, you know, you kind of, kind of get your, your, I think positioning and messaging uh, done early as part of that early customer acquisition process. Um, but the reality is it's going to change. Um, and I think the other, I guess the other point is, you know, as I said earlier, it all depends, comes down to the people you have. You know, if you are, if your founding team is purely technical, right, then you're definitely going to need a little bit more help on the sort of more traditional product uh, management, product marketing types of skills. Um Whereas, you know, I think oftentimes you do have somebody on the founding team who has a little bit more of that product focus, not just the technical focus. And usually those people, you know, they can, they can take their early customer research and so on and, and I think craft that into um, positioning and messaging. It just might change as soon as you hire a CMO because, you know, that's what, you know, the first thing many CMOs do is like, all right, well, we need new positioning. We need new messaging. We need a new logo. We need a new website. I'm, I'm joking a little bit, but it's not, you know, um, but, 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 you know, that, that's also perfectly normal, I think. So it's not surprising that it does happen. And founders shouldn't be scared of that when the new CMO comes in and says we need to change it all. Yeah. I mean, if that's the actual um, important uh, reason you hire the CMO, then you certainly shouldn't uh, <laughs> be surprised about it, you know. Getting sort of a couple last questions before we sort of wrap things up. I'm curious if there are any, you know, mistakes you made at at any of these, you know, companies that sort of through the process um, uh, that were, you know, drove important learnings to you. Any sort of lessons you learned the hard way that you would share with other founders? For marketing a, a early stage startup? Yeah, or any point along the way. You know, I, I, I've alluded to this a couple times, you know, but... 
I've definitely seen companies, and to a degree, Engage, you'll hit this a little bit, where you scale uh, the revenue team, both in terms of marketing and sales, uh, before you necessarily have perfect product market fit. Um, and that's always a recipe to run into trouble. In Engage's case, you know, we built our first product, which I'd say had good product market fit. And it's great. You know, let's go. Let's start scaling. Um, and then our second product that we built, we probably uh, we missed product market fit on the first iteration. And you know that you know was an interesting dynamic where you got you know one product that's there, one product that isn't. But we started to scale the revenue team, assuming both products were there. Um, and again, it's 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 just always a lot easier to evolve and, and, and seek product market fit when you don't also have 200 customers that you're worrying about. So yeah, the, the general rule is, you know, avoid scaling as long as you can and until you really know you have fit. That's a good piece of advice. Um, it, anything else that we've sort of uh, missed or any other advice that you would leave uh, for founders, particularly as it relates to marketing, but sort of other, other, any other topics on founding company? Anything you'd want to add? Well, something that I think founders will have to look forward to as they start to scale their businesses is that, you know, you'll hit a point where, and every company is going to hit this, where you're going to have to figure out who ultimately owns the customer. You know, who, who is the one who gets to decide whether an email goes to a customer? Who is the one who gets to decide if a reference is happening? Who, you know, who is the one who gets to decide you know, kind of which customers get invited to the VIP dinner um, and so on. And, you know, I think co companies are still struggling to figure that out, uh, whether that's, you know, the customer success team or marketing um, or some new function that doesn't exist yet, you know, and so on. So just, you know, mark, you know, it's not for the early stage, but as you start to scale the business, just know that every company is sort of facing that problem of ultimately who, who's responsible for the customer. And do you have a point of view on that, or do you think it's just different depending on the companies and it's just something they need to sort out? I have not seen a single definitive best practice. You know, sometimes marketing, sometimes customer success, sometimes it's the chief customer officer. Um, you know, and again, I, I haven't seen like, oh, that's definitely the right answer. Um, but what I have seen time and time again is that companies take too long to addressing the problem and find that it's really difficult to solve by the time they actually tackle it. Well, that's a great piece of advice to end on. Um, definitely important uh, to have consistency and figure out sort of who ultimately, I guess, owns the customer and owns those decisions. So um, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Very excited to have John on today. I just love listening to John's point of view. John really has a great way of looking at the strengths of a marketer. And we've heard from founders on the podcast before that really understanding the role of marketing and understanding the language of marketing can be a real challenge for, for founders themselves. And so John breaks this down really into you know three main areas of strength. You're either a demand person, you're a product person, or you're a corporate person. Sometimes you get two out of three, you're never getting three out of three. And most of the time you're getting someone who's really strong in one. So knowing who you are, what you stand for, what you need is really more important than anything else for the founder. And John really calls that out better than anybody. If you'd like to, well, I highly suggest you follow John. You can find him best on his website, 
www.johnmiller.com. That's J-O-N-M-I-L-L-E-R. And for us, we'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast. Listen to us as we're in our 13th week now. We've got a few more weeks in our talent and recruiting series. And all you need to do is go click that little subscribe button. You'll get new content from us for the next year, every Monday morning at 7 a.m. You can also follow us on foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, the place where exceptional founders grow. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.